Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. controversy for former reality TV star Josh Duggar. That shocking report from Josh Duggar from 19 Kids and Counting. Life is short. Have an affair. The website, once a refuge for married cheaters, now exposing their sins. Confessed to molesting young girls when he was a teenager, Duggar admits he, quote, acted inexcusably, hurt his family and friends. My life as I had known it was changing. Best known as one of the stars of the TLC series, 19 Kids and Counting. The shocking allegations of inappropriate sexual contact with several underage girls when Josh was a teen. We have to stand up for what is right. During our courtship, so we decided that there was going to be no kissing and obviously no sex before marriage. Marriage is central to the family. Welcome to our series, What Would Jesus Say To? Dot, 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 dot. I want to open up with a story. Um, when the church was young, back in the mid-80s, we were a couple years old, uh, there was a guy at the church that uh, all of a sudden he disappeared, and, and then I saw a couple other people disappear, and I'm not sure why they stopped coming, and then one of my leaders came up to me and said, hey, that guy that left, he's spreading a rumor about you, and I said, oh, what's that? He said, he, said he saw you come out of a convenience store right down the street from the church with a beer in your hand. And then you got in your car, opened it, and took a swig and drived off. Well, in the mid-'80s, that could destroy a church because and um, back then, in an evangelical church, and if you don't know what that means, evangelical church means it's a church that their first foot forward is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to heaven is through Jesus. It could be any kind of denomination. It could be any kind of type of church, but... You're under this umbrella where you really talk about Jesus being the way. Um, back in the 80s, at least 80% of any congregation that was evangelical thought it was a sin to take a sip of alcohol, uh, let alone, uh, you know, buy it at a convenience store down the street and drink it in a car, right, which is breaking the law. So that was really something that could just break a church apart. Well, it wasn't true, and I sat with my leadership, and they knew I wasn't the most intelligent person in the church, but they knew I had lots of street smarts, and I would never do that just with my street smarts, you know. But I also didn't drink, so they knew it wasn't true, and it eventually blew over. It didn't hurt the church, but it caused me to really, really pause and think about my lifestyle and how that one wrong move, one moral mistake could destroy the church but it also could destroy my marriage. It also could cause my kids not to respect me. It could destroy my witness if I'm not a pastor and I work at a work somewhere. It could destroy our witness if we're a Christian student. It could just ruin us. One moral step that we take that this world thinks is a sin or thinks is wrong. And we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to ask ourselves, what would Jesus say to Josh Duggar? And Josh... Uh, you can see behind me, he was part of this show called 19 Kids and Counting. Um, and his parents, the Duggars, they had 19 children, if you can imagine. Uh, my mom and dad had seven boys, and it nearly killed them. And uh, <laughs> it did. I mean, my poor mom, I still think she's a saint to this day. And, and uh, think about that. They had 12 more than seven. 
And uh, not only that, they were evangelical, so they were talking about Jesus on the show, and they were praying, and they were talking about, you know, Jesus is the way, and that type of thing. And then Josh, you can see his picture, he was the oldest son out of the 19. He started a ministry that was talking about, you know, Christian marriage and uh, Christian morality, and he was really public with this ministry. Then it came out that when he was 15, um, he inappropriately touched five girls when they were sleeping, two of which were his sisters. And so that caused TLC to say, we're going to cancel the show. And there's all that smoke going on and all that problem. And then Ashley Madison, which is a site where people go to have an affair, and you saw that on the intro video, um, somebody decided to hack them. But they didn't hack them for credit cards. They didn't want to steal anybody's credit cards. It was someone with righteous indignation that was upset people were having affairs. So they hacked the site, and they published everybody's name and how many years that they were members of Ashley Madison on the website, on the Internet. Can you imagine that? So, of course, the news people are going through. They're scouring through. They want to see if there's a politician or they want to see if there's a celebrity. And they came across Josh's name. And so then that blasted out in the public. And, of course, uh, that destroyed his witness 100%. And, of course, it devastated his marriage. And, of course, it caused his children to lose respect for him. And it, and it hurt the cause of Christ. And what we want to do today is not cast stones, not kick Josh while he's down. Because I believe we serve a God that no matter what we do, he wants to restore us. Can we all agree with that? He wants to bring us back to restoration. Everybody fails. Uh, when you fail on a platform of his size, it, it really impacts uh, your Christianity, your witness. And we just, we want to talk about what would Jesus say to Josh? Because I believe it's what he would say to the Christian student, the Christian employee, the Christian businessman, the pastor. I believe he would say it to the Christian father, the Christian mother. I believe he'd say all these same things to us because the principles are the same. It doesn't have to be a sexual mess up. It can be any kind of mess up. So I don't want you to think that's all we're talking about today. It's just us taking a misstep. And then that literally ruining our influence, ruining our impact. So I got to thinking, what would Jesus say to Josh? And here's the first thing that, that I came up with. I believe Jesus would say, Christians lead by moral authority. You know, I, I am not influencing you. Leaders influence. I'm not influencing you. You're not here because I put pastor in front of my name. That's not why you come to believers uh, you come here because you trust me. You trust that I'm sincere, I'm real, I have a walk with God. And if you lose that, I'm done leading you. You're going to walk away, and rightly so. Um, and this is the same reason us parents have influence over our kids. And if we lose it, we're not going to have the influence that, that we have now. And it's really important to understand. I remember growing up, my brothers and I, seven of us guys, we respected my mom and dad at the highest level. Um, we had, they had the highest respect. I, I think I only remember them fighting two times. Can you imagine that? Two times. And I'm sure they fought in private, but I only remember two public ones that I overheard. And, and uh, it was both of them were because my dad drank too much at a family function. And, you know, so we come home and my mom's like, Jim, you shouldn't drink that much in public. You shouldn't drink like that. He'd say, woman, be quiet, woman. And then <laughs> he would... 
He'd say, I work hard. If I want to drink a little, I can drink a little. And that, that was like their, their, two, their two big arguments that, that I heard over, over that subject. And it, that didn't cause me to lose respect for my dad. I wanted a beer, too. So I'm like, Dad, can, can I drink with you? I work hard, too, Dad. Um, right? So, but I share that for this reason. I share that for this reason. If my dad would have done something like Josh did or something else, I would not have had that respect for him. I respected him because of his moral authority. And you and I are respected wherever we go. Our witness is, has impact because of our moral authority. And I found this incredible section of scripture that really made me think about myself. And it's making me ask, can I grow further? And it's Philippians 2.14, and it reads like this. In everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing. So we'll read the next verses in a moment, but this is what blows my mind. The following verses are going to deal with our moral authority. They're going to deal with our influence in the world in which we live. But, but he starts with something I would never think would impact that, right? Complaining and arguing. He's talking about us having a bad attitude. He's talking about us, you know, being in school or being at work or wherever we're at, complaining about the boss or complaining about this, complaining about that. J just being grumpy and complaining and having an attitude. And, and you think, that shouldn't hurt anything, God, right? And then he goes on in verse 15 and he says, so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. That's our influence. See, moral authority is people respecting us. He goes on and says, you are to live clean, innocent lives. Now he's dealing with what Josh dealt with and other things. As children of God in a dark world full of people who are crooked and stubborn. He says, shine out among them like beacon lights holding out to them the word of life. That's the Bible, Jesus. Then when Christ returns, how glad I will be that my work among you was so worthwhile. Here's what Paul's saying. He brought them into the kingdom. They accepted Christ through him. He taught them. He educated them. And then he went on and did it again. But he says, you know what? If you guys, if you slip up morally, if, if you walk through life not acting like a Christian, you're not going to have influence or fruit and then when Jesus comes back, you're not going to be rewarded. And he says, I want the people I lead into the kingdom to be rewarded. I want them to be fruitful as they walk on this earth. And so I believe Jesus would say to, to Josh, we lead by moral authority. And I believe he would have said that before Josh ever fell to try to get Josh to clean it, clean it up. I believe this is the second thing he would, he would say. Make sure you're pure before you try to purify this one to me is very, very important. Uh, Josh had this ministry where he was, you know, telling the whole world and the whole country, uh, this is the way you should live. And then behind closed doors, he was living differently. And I also feel like when we clean ourselves up, when we're pure, we approach things with a different attitude. Like, I'll cover every subject in the Bible. And if you come to church here for any length of time, you'll see me get on every subject. But I try to do it in a way that's, uh, you know, not condemning, in a way that encourages people, hey, you can do this, you can live this way. Because here's the bottom line. If we're going to change our lifestyle, it's going to be because we're transformed from the inside out. That's how we change. God has to open up our understanding. He has to grow us. And then we change the way we live. I know that. So Josh didn't understand that. He was kind of critical and out there, kind of condemning. And so listen to these scriptures. Uh, First Matthew 7, 1 and 2. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. 
for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, he's going to go on and talk about make sure you're pure before you try to purify, but I thought the first two verses were really important because the first two verses, guys, are about something that can really change our lives. It's about the law of seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping. And here's, here's, here's what the Bible teaches. What we do unto others, others, and not necessarily the one you do it to, what you do unto others, others will do unto you, and the harvest is always bigger than what you do, bigger than the seeds you plant. So, you know, when we plant a seed in the ground, it produces more seeds when that plant comes up. Uh, we understand this with giving. You know, Jesus taught, give and it shall be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But it's true also in every area of our life. So he's beginning by saying this, guys, if you're going to be really judgmental and harsh, then people are going to rise up all over you never met, and they're going to be judgmental, they're going to be harsh towards you. So it changes the way you treat people once you understand this law. Then he goes on in verse 3, and he says this, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eyes when you have a log in your own? <laughs> See, judgmental people have logs in their eye, and they're picking on everybody's specks. And, and see, it's okay to teach the Bible says this, the Bible says that, but you'll do it with a different attitude if you get rid of your logs. And that's why I really believe Jesus would say, make sure you're pure before you try to purify people. Listen, as we read on, he says, verse 4, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. And so now everything changes. If, if I work on myself and I allow God to transform me and I deal with areas of my life, then I can look at somebody and the first thing I'll think is this. If not for the grace of God, I could be falling the same way they are. Thank God that he's grown me. So my heart is now I want to help them grow. And the entire approach is 100% different. And so I will really believe Jesus would say to all of us, guys, work on yourself. And of course, with our kids, we need to teach them the truth. And as a pastor, I need to teach the truth and say this is what God expects from us as Christians. But the attitude changes and we're not judgmental. And I believe God would say, clean it up before you begin to try to clean other people up. And I believe he would say this next. Fix your secret life before it fixes you. And Josh's secret life fixed him, right? It messed him up. Uh, it came public. And, and uh, I want to tell you a story. I went to a Bible school where the, the leader of the Bible school stood in the office of a prophet. So I stand in the office of a pastor. But he stood in the office of a prophet. And he, he could literally, when the Spirit allowed him to, he, he could pick someone out of the crowd and say, hey, you have this heart problem and Jesus told me to pray for you. He could do things like that. So he made me really nervous. And, and uh, so, so I, uh, we would have these week-long seminars. And my brother Tony and I, we roomed together. And we would, when, when he was going to have these seminars, and we had to go to them as students, we would repent of every sin we ever committed, just every single sin. Because I was afraid he'd call me out and say, Joe, God told you to stop that. When are you going to stop it? You know? And I'm not doing any major things wrong. And, but Tony had it worse than me because Tony played the bass guitar in the band. So he was sat on the platform. 
and I could sit in the back row. And if he ever start walking through the crowd and operating as a prophet, I'd just go to the bathroom all of a sudden. And, and uh, I'd get in a stall till he was finished, and then I'd come back in, right? I kind of had an attitude back then that God was going to try to embarrass me and expose any of the things I was dealing with. And I'm trying to deal with them, but I just thought God's going to expose every sin I've ever committed. And you know what? That's not, that's not what God does. It's just not God. And when I make this statement, fix your secret life before it fixes you, I'm talking about not God, but our enemy. L listen to Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Don't let the sun go down with, your, with you still angry. Uh, get over it quickly, or otherwise um, it's going to cause bitterness in your heart. For when you are angry, you give a mighty foothold to the devil. So if bitterness comes in, you're opening the door to the devil. But that's true of any secret sin that we're practicing behind closed doors. What am I referring to? Those things that we know God doesn't want us to do, but we keep doing them. And I'm not talking about, you know, you're repenting and saying, God, help me, help me. But just sometimes as Christians, we can become stubborn and say, you know what, God? I know this is wrong, but I'm just going to do it. And if you keep practicing something that you know is wrong, whatever it is, you give the devil a foothold. That's all this is talking about. So imagine you open your front door and you have a smile on your face. You open your front door and then there's a bad guy there with a gun. And you try to close your front door, but he puts his foot there in the jam. And what happened? He has a foothold into your house. And what God's saying here is, you know, don't open your life up to where you're living a lifestyle where you give the enemy a foothold because he will expose you. He will try to humiliate you. He wants to ruin the message of Christ, and he wants to ruin our lives. Listen to 1 Peter 5.8. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. So he knows he can't attack every Christian because there are Christians that know they have authority over him. And there are Christians who their heart's right, and they'll rebuke him. They'll, they'll fight him. But he's looking for someone whose secret life opens the door for him to expose. So I believe Jesus would say to Josh, man, fix your secret life before it fixes you. Because I don't know about you, but I have kids. And the last thing I would want is for my kids to be embarrassed publicly. Wouldn't you be the same with your kids? And that's how God thinks about you. He, God is not the one out to get you. God wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. And I really believe he would have did everything to try to help Josh out. But he would have warned him, Josh, this thing's going to bite you, man. It's going to come out and it's going to knock you down. And he would have warned him, fix it before it fixes you. And then I believe he would say this, come to me for mercy and help. And, you know, last week, we talked about what we're going to talk about here, so I'm not going to go into it in detail. If you weren't here last week, believers.cc, that's our website. You can listen to last week's message. Or our BC app, you can listen to it on any pad, any smartphone. We have it for every version out there, and uh, you can listen to last week. So I won't go elaborate, but this is important. Hebrews 4, 15, 16. Uh, the high priest, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. That's Jesus. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So I believe Jesus would say to Josh, you need to come up to the throne and, and get yourself some help. You have a porn addiction. Um, you, you have all kind of other problems. 
you're, now you're having an affair. We need to clean your life up. And he would have said, come, come up for mercy. I also believe Jesus would say this. Now that Josh has been found out, his life's falling apart, I believe his wife's trying to work it out, but think about the devastation there. Think about the devastation with his kids and how they see him. Um, I believe God would say, hey, Josh, I want to restore you. It's going to take time, but come up to the throne. Isn't it good that we serve a God that wants to restore us after we fall on our face? That's important for some of you to know because I, I don't want you to think God wants to kick you and keep you down. God says, come up here. I want to help restore you. I want to bring your joy back. And, you know, when it comes to people respecting us, it takes time for them to gain respect after something like this. So it's going to take his wife time. It's going to take his kids time. But the best thing he could do is get as close to God as possible so God can restore him. But then I really believe earlier when Josh had all these problems, before it was public, I really believe Jesus would have also told him one other thing. I really do. I believe Jesus would have told him this. Sometimes we need the help of others to walk in freedom. And, and I want to make sure you understand this, all right? Because there's a few of you this weekend that you really need to hear this. You've been going to God, going to God, and nothing's changed. You, you really need to hear this. Years ago, I went through a really tough situation, not with my wife. It wasn't sin. I want to make sure you understand. It, it was just some folks that were close to me hurt me and just a bunch of events, and, and it really wounded me. And, uh, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying I was really hurt. And so it also hurt my wife at the same time. So she, you know, she, she has, she's going for help, and she has several people helping her, and she's becoming really healthy. And, and I go three years, and, and I'm not healthy at all. I'm just really unhealthy emotionally. You know, I'm still hurt. I'm carrying it. And... Uh, but I would go to the throne of grace. I'd go there every day because I was dealing with tormenting thoughts and, you know, hurt. And I'd go to the throne and I'd say, God, set me free. God, set me free. I'd have to do it in the morning. I'd do it all day long. I'd do it at night. I did it for three years without any change. I'm slow and I'm a guy. So I just kept doing it. And Gina would look at me and say, honey, you need help. You need help. Said, no, honey, I can do this. I can do it. So about three years into it, she said, you know, I think you have post-traumatic stress syndrome. She says, you have all the symptoms. I said, that's for guys that go to war. Don't put me in their class. The bullets are flying over the head. I said, I, I can't have post-traumatic stress syndrome. I've never been, you know, in that situation. I said, honey, other things can cause that. I think you have it. So I go on Psychology Today website, and I look for a test, and I take this test, and then I wait for the email, and the email comes, and I open it up, and I, I have post-traumatic stress syndrome at the highest level somebody could have it. It's like the, the top says, you need help fast, you know, and, and it's like it was just terrible. And so I found a Christian psychologist, and I, I go to see him. And do you know within two months they had me totally free? Isn't that crazy? Two months. I ended up going a year, and I went about a year and two months because I had other issues. I said, while I'm here, let's just walk through all my issues. Um, so, so we did. We walked through all my issues. And I'm not ashamed to say that. You know why? Because sometimes we need help, the help of others to walk in freedom, right? And, and I, I really believe sometimes we need a professional, um, and, and sometimes we just do. So here's why I say that. I went to God's throne. I prayed every day for three years multiple times a day 
and I couldn't overcome that hurt that was inside me. I needed a professional. And there may be a couple of you here today, you've been doing the same thing, and maybe it's totally a different situation. I really believe Josh, let me, let's talk about Josh, all right? Josh probably prayed and said, God, I did it again. God, I failed again. God, I'm sorry. God set me free from this sexual sin I have. And, and I really believe God's up in heaven saying, Josh, we, we need someone, a third party <laughs> that can walk you through. We need a professional to help you change the way you look at life, change the way you think. And it could have it solved his issues. And I would hate to know someone's here today and, and, and that's a problem and it could be solved. You know, here at Believers, we have incredible pastors. We have female and male pastors who counsel. They do incredible jobs. But you know what? Sometimes someone's in their office and they just look at them and they say, you know what? We need to send you to a professional. <laughs> and we have a Christian psychologist here in our building. Um, we just let him use a room. He's not on staff. But when, when something is bigger than we think we can handle, we send people to him. Why? Sometimes we need a professional. It's nothing to be ashamed about. Sometimes we just need a professional. So if you're there and you're really dealing with something, that might be what you need. And then I also believe Jesus underneath this category would say one more thing. Sometimes we need accountability. Isn't that true? I think someone like Josh, even after professional, I think he would have needed someone to hold him accountable. And I want to just end with this thought. We, we, have, um, we have some guys in the church. I am so proud of them. We, there's a bunch of young men here that they want to live sexually pure, right? And, you know, they're young and they're not married. And they're like, you know, they'll come to me and say, Pastor Joe, I want to live sexually pure. I really want to be pure. So they asked me if I'd be their accountability, you know, partner. And I say, sure, I will. And here's the first thing we do. Um, there's different software, but we, we get on this software that tracks everywhere they go on the Internet. And we put it on their phone, their, their pads. We put it on their computer. But then I have the code. I put the security code in so they can't change it. Uh, I'm the only one that knows the code. And parents, you can do this with your kids. So once a week, I receive an email. And the email will go through, and it will tell me if they, they went to any questionable sites. And then I make a phone call and say, hey, how you doing? Why would you go to this site? And they're like, what? I got, I got the email, man. You went. And, and, uh, and I'm able to hold them accountable. And, and you know what? Sometimes some of us need accounted, held accountable in certain areas of our life, and that's a good thing. So I really believe Jesus would have said to Josh, sometimes you need a professional. Sometimes you need accountability. And I really believe he would have said to Josh, you need accountability, Josh. Josh needed someone strong around him to help him in those areas where he was really weak. I trust I'm making some sense today. And uh, I, I think it's time to pray. Can we go ahead and pray? And let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. And Lord, I did my best with this message. And Lord, the first thing we want to do is we pray for Josh and his wife. And Lord, we pray for total restoration. We ask you to restore this man uh, to full restoration, Lord God. And Lord, we also pray for anyone in this room, uh, anyone that we know, Father, that maybe they have a secret life that could bring them down. And Lord, we just pray for, uh, for them to have their hearts open, Father, for them to have a change and, and to be delivered from those things. And Lord, they may need help to do that, so show them that, Lord God. Show them they need help. And Lord, as we just are in an attitude of prayer, I tried my best not to make this only sexual sin, and that's what Josh did, Lord. But there's so many other things where we can just step over the moral boundaries. 
And Lord, I'm sure as we sat here and I taught, you spoke to hearts. And I know there's only a few. I know most people in here, this is not an issue, but they're going to be able to help their friends and their kids as I instruct them, Lord. But Lord, if there's anyone in this room that they're where Josh was, show them how much you love them. Show them your grace. Show them your mercy. And Lord, let this be a moment where decisions are made that they're going to get help, they're going to change, they're going to go a different direction. And we thank you for it. And Lord, all of us thank you for your grace, which allows us to walk at the level we walk at in you. Thank you for your grace. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, um, I did it last week. I'm going to do it this week. This message just, it's a message where this is, I think, necessary. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I call it a God moment. And just whisper to God. If, let him whisper to you if he needs to say something to you. But you also, if you want to pray and talk to him about something, I want to give you the chance to do it. Or maybe you want to pray for someone else that you know is dealing with something. Guys, can you, can you agree with me as we pray? We're still, heads are bad, but can you come into agreement with this prayer? Lord God, we just ask you, open up our understanding. Wherever we're trapped, wherever we're blind, wherever we have issues we don't even know about, would you open up our heart and our eyes? Help us see it so we can walk away from it, Lord God. Grow us from the inside out. We thank you for it, Lord God. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Perhaps you're here and you're not sure of your eternity. I want to, we're an evangelical church, so I want to give you a chance to be sure, right? So heads are bad, eyes are closed. Here's what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to join believers. I'm not asking you if you were raised in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. All great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a time in your life when you made it personal, you made it real with Jesus? You know, the Bible says the only way to heaven is for us to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. There has to be that moment where we say, God, I realize I need you and I accept you. I believe in you. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't, but I'm ready today. I'd like you to pray with me. That's what I'm asking. You say, I believe, Pastor Joe, my heart's open. I, I want to make Jesus my savior. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I have a sin problem. And this day, I come to you. I believe that Jesus died for me and I accept him as my Savior. Jesus, I believe in you. I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Now heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you prayed that from your heart for the first time, you meant it, miracles happen. I mean, it's amazing what just happened in your life. And um, God washed all your sins away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. And I love this part. The Bible tells us that all of heaven's now celebrating. Can you imagine God Almighty's clapping and celebrating if one person on the planet gave their heart to Jesus? Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. 
follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.